This is Raw Cut. Welcome to Life Bursts. I'm Matt. And I'm Sarah. Today's story, from being bullied at school to now a rock star, it's going to be interesting. Yes, welcome to Life Burst. I am Sarah. And I'm Matt. And in the studio today, a huge welcome to Verity. How are you, Thank you. We're really looking forward to hearing this story. Thank you for uh, having story, me. A metamorphosis uh, story. Yeah. So we're looking mm. forward to that. Uh, take us right back to the, the beginning uh, when you were a wee little uh, oh. caterpillar or however <laughs> we want to go. Uh, where did life begin for you, Verity? <laughs> um, I grew up in a... A really loving family and um, they happen to all love love music and um, and that was something I really loved. So uh, as a little girl, you know, I would often walk around home singing or uh, when we went on big road trips, you know, we'd be getting music happening in the car and I'd always feel really happy, um, yeah, when I was singing. and But I remember um, when I was at primary school, there was a period... Um, where she began to get really badly bullied um, from some kids and, and, you know, particularly a couple of people and then it just sort of spread and and I remember how horrible that felt and, and, you know, that sense of of feeling really alone and like almost like you're on the outside of the world looking in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and lots of times I'd try really hard to hold it together. Mm. And then I remember recess and lunch, and for other kids that have been bullied, but in my memory recess and lunch were one of the hardest times because you're out of the sanctuary of the classroom and you'd sort of go, where do I go to get away from this to feel safe? And and I remember a moment of just going into the girls' toilets, closing the door and the tears flowing and just that that real sense of aloneness. Um, but it was really interesting. I didn't know this till years later, but my mum said to me, she said, oh, I knew something wasn't right because she said during those years you stopped singing. Oh, wow. Um, hmm. And I hadn't really thought about that. But, but it was true, you know, the impact of how something like that um you know, can have in our spirit and the way we feel free to be ourselves and and to release our song. Mm. Um, so what years were these for you? Was it primary school years? Yeah, it was yeah. primary school. So, you know, I remember enjoying those first few years in primary school, but I remember for most of the rest of that, you know, most of the rest of those years I found them really hard mm. and, and the bullying just took different forms. Um you know, How were they bullying you? A lot of times it was through words or you'd walk through the yard at recess and lunch and, you know, as a kid you're going, oh, you know, can I play with you? Can I join in? And and they'd in their language tell me to F off or, um, you know, we don't want to play with you. And, and I even remember one time thinking I was safe riding my bike near where I grew up and I'm riding my bike and two of these guys that were doing the bullying, um, they followed me and they threw tomatoes at me while I was on my bike, so I couldn't even feel safe mm. away from the schoolyard. So it was a horrible feeling. Yeah. Um, Were you doing anything that they didn't like? like no, and it's, and it's strange because you ask yourself those questions and go, you know, what inspires bullying? And, and 
um, a bit of a jump to years later, years later when I actually became a teacher and, uh, you know, worked, worked with kids as a teacher who were not only the kids that received the bullying but also those that gave the bullying. Mm. Um, and I began to realise that there's often things in people's lives that cause them to react in that way and sometimes bring suffering to others. And and I do know that, that one of the people that caused me bullying during that time was going through a really, really traumatic time in his family, mm. um, which as a kid I hadn't really thought about that mm-hmm. and and I know that he was probably very aware that I was from a really loving family um, where from what he could see things are really happy and, and good um, so that's sort of the only thing I can think and then and then I think sometimes when someone's the bully they can say one thing and then they see that other people are joining in mm. and there's a sense of, of empowerment for them mm. uh, for the bully but it's intriguing, you know, those those people that we remember from years ago that have uh, caused us some pain and suffering in our life. It's You sometimes wonder, what would I say if I saw that person now or if they saw me now and, um, you know, what I've become, mm, yeah. you know, from that time. Mm. So, yeah, so for me, yeah, a lot of those years at primary school I found incredibly challenging and and really hard but at the same time they've been crucial in in helping form who I am mm. so many parts of who I am now yeah. probably were growing you know we use that word metamorphosis yeah. earlier and um particularly this year I've, I've just had that symbol in my mind of uh the butterfly and not just the butterfly but what happens in order for the caterpillar to become the butterfly and and that time within the cocoon that can seem perhaps very dark and a real time of struggle. But it was someone that I was talking to recently that said, you know what, and I, I don't know this a uh, lot about butterflies, but they said a butterfly can't fly if it doesn't go through the process of the struggle because it's within the struggle that it actually strengthens its wings. Mm. Mm. Um I thought, wow, <laughs> it's 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 quite a really powerful metaphor to consider. But I mm. think sometimes when you're in the struggle, mm. you don't always realise that. No, and how you obviously had a supportive and loving family around yeah. you. How what else got you through that struggle as a as a young person? Um, looking back, you can yeah. see you can understand a bit better. But what what got you through? What kept you going during those years? Yeah, well, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, you know, with a faith in God, you know, that from when I was really young, sort of I, I never knew life without that. Like I always had a belief in something out there, in God being out there and and that um, there was a, a there was always that sense of hope mm. because of that. And and I remember on those moments where I went, Oh my going crazy, this is so full on, like I I'd feel like I was losing the plot sometimes. And um I th- I I think it was only that. Like, I think if worse, I think even if I didn't have my family, that would be the one thing that would somehow keep me clinging. Like, you know, and and it's not like you can necessarily see God, or but there's just that deep inner sense of going. There's there's this voice. There's this voice beyond myself telling me to just somehow hold in and 
And within that voice, there was that sense of trust saying, just just trust, you know, this, this darkness isn't going to last forever. Um, keep trying to hold on. And But if God is all loving and all mighty yeah. and stuff like that, why would he let this bad stuff happen to you in primary school? Yeah, and that's a really good question. And and that whole that whole question of, of suffering and, and whether whether or how God, co- you know, causes that, that, that's often something that people really wrestle with. And mm-hmm. That's why I ask. Yeah, it is, and it's a, a big question. I personally, for me, um, in my understanding, and it's not like this for everyone, I, I, I believe that God doesn't want that suffering, um, but I believe that God is completely present in that and wanting me to feel that love and and reassurance and also I think God journeying with me within that suffering and understanding that has helped me to grow into that person that I feel that God's wanted to call me to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that image of the of the caterpillar, the, mm-hmm. the, the uh, struggling out of the chrysalis. Um, I think that's a great way of looking at it. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you obviously did find your voice again. <laughs> and uh, when we come back, We're going to hear more of Verity's story. This is Life Burst with Matt and Sarah. If you like what you're hearing, please write a review of this podcast on your podcasting app, or you can share this on social media. Welcome back to Life Burst with Matt and Sarah. Today we're chatting with Verity. She is sharing her story with us, and we are up to the part where you move on into high school. Did the bullying continue through to high school? No, like, I remember being really excited about high school. You know, I remember that mix of feeling a bit scared mm-hmm. um, about this whole new thing, but I was really hopeful. I was really glad to have that chance to to leave mm-hmm. um, the journey of the bullying behind and, and start fresh. So I brought a, a really positive perspective to the beginning. And, and from that moment I began high school, I remember looking forward to meeting and connecting with a whole lot of new people mm. um, and, and building some really positive friendships. And that happened? It did. And there's mm. there's people that became my very special friends then that are still my friends like, oh, I don't know how many years ago that would be now, <laughs> like maybe, what am I now, 42? So that's like, I don't know, I'm not good at math. So over 20 years 20, ago. Yeah. Mm. Over 20 years ago and we'll still get together. Um, for dinner and, and catch up, which is really precious. Um, but I think um, high school is where I began to see some of the ways that the bullying had formed me in a, in a positive way. Yeah. It helped me to have eyes and ears uh, for people in a way that I hadn't perhaps had um, as a much younger person. So it made me more aware of the people that were on the outer um, and it became a bit of a driving force, I think, that inspired me, even in that community of high school, mm-hmm. uh, where sort of I'd be drawn to people that uh, might not perhaps fit in uh, to the to the groups that might be around or might be classed a little bit different to others. And and I'd love getting to know them and connecting with them. And um, our friendship group at some points was getting quite big uh, because it would be eclectic mix of, of people and, you know, where we want to say, you know, you matter and you matter enough to be part of, you know, a group of friends and, um, yeah, as you are. So, 
yeah, it was really precious. And I also began to f- find, um, which was a huge, you know, really huge privilege that people even in that space would um, seek me out and share really um, significant, sometimes really traumatic things that they were going through. Um, so I remember being, you know, exposed to all sorts of stories uh, because people would confide in me, you know, and, and a lot of those stories never been shared because they were shared in confidentiality. Mm. Um, and who did you used to confide in then? You were taking on all these other I did. I, I literally had to hold on to um, a lot of that and, um, yeah, I don't know how I actually did that because I'll do it differently now and um, have ways to um, to share what I'm carrying uh, for others. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was very affirming, I found, um, to be trusted, um, that people felt they... They could trust themselves, you know, with their own vulnerabilities and, and frailty. And, and there's a, a photo I actually brought along. Um, one of the things I'm drawn to now is photography. Mm-hmm. It's one of the ways I express myself. And and often I'll be going for walks and, and my eyes will be drawn to something in nature and um, perhaps an unnoticed detail. And, and I remember one time I was walking and I happened to see this amazing leaf on the ground and so I, I picked it up and put it in my hand and um, it was beautiful, you know, when they're, they're near the end of their time but you can see all the intricate details of what forms the leaf and, and I just held it in my hand and and that image has really struck me because I thought for me that photo represents two things about our journeys, about what it means to um, firstly not be held in our own vulnerability and our own frailty Mm-hmm. And that actually, you know, from my experience, can take a lot of courage yeah. to trust to trust someone to hold you as you are, and then they're not going to bully you or tear you apart or or use that vulnerable part that you've shared against you. Mm-hmm. And to find those people, to have those people that you can trust to hold you as that fragile leaf, um, but also what it means when we're called to be that hand. For others, mm. how can we be that hand to hold others in their frailty and, and their sufferings, which in my experience sometimes suffering in whatever form it takes sometimes reveals, while it reveals our, our wounds and our pains, it sometimes reveals those deep, truest parts of, of who we are. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think moving on from that bullying into the journey of high school became a deeper awareness and understanding of how I, as an individual, um, feel feel called to try and be that that hand with others and, yeah. and allowing others to just rest in a space where they just feel loved and unjudged. Mm. Wow. And so these these things were brewing for you as you did that in yeah. high school. You Way were back start, then. <laughs> starting to feel mm. a sense of, mm. uh, of a life of purpose and yeah. of helping others in their fragility. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So uh, stepping back from that mm. through all the other things that you had to then work through as a student in high school, yeah. uh, how did that go for you? Did you uh, uh, lean into the studies, the academics, or yeah. uh, were they just an aside to this, this great call? <laughs> <that you had? laughs> well, I, you know, 
I did quite enjoy, like I have actually been someone that loves going to libraries and, and books and things like that. But I did always find things like maths and science were not my forte. I totally admire brains that function that way and can work that way. Um, but the areas that I really thrived in were much more the creative things. So um, I'd love creative story writing. I did music for a while. Uh, at school but the the place I probably felt most alive in was the art room Mm -hmm. and I remember even in year 12 I had this amazing teacher Miss Patterson her name was and she would open up the art room at lunchtime and say we could come and hang out in the art room and we'd play the radio and that first introduced me to Sting (laughs) uh, which has now become one of my favorite uh singers um, and so we'd play the music and we'd paint and create. And within the art room, there's often a really eclectic mix of people as mm-hmm. well. Um, so, yeah, so for me that, um, yeah, helped me to also find those ways of expressing myself uh, that made me feel really alive. Okay. You still got any of that art- artwork? <laughs> yeah. I think I may in the shit at home. <laughs> I held on to it for many years because... As far as for me, being an artist, uh, it can be quite hard to give away artworks that you've poured yourself into Mm. or to actually go, I think this has had its time and I'm actually going to recycle it and and move it on. But um, I actually found creating artwork to be a really powerful way to express some of my thoughts about life and um, and I remember I did one artwork about war um, and about the suffering that war can cause. And another one I even called the utopian dream. So I, I talked about um, the dreams and ideals that we have for, for harmony um, and peace in society. Mm. So, yeah, so I did have some, but, yeah, I'm not sure whether well, my one about war was a little bit uh, scary, so it wasn't what I would necessarily put in my lounge room wall. <laughs> plus, <laughs> plus it had barbed wire around, um, you know, to communicate the essence of, of war. war. Uh, okay. So it wasn't necessarily a safe, um, it could have been <laughs> a good security thing for the house. But <laughs> yeah, it wasn't necessarily an inviting um, artwork. I was quite drawn to artworks that can fronted or artworks that would communicate a message and get people thinking Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can tell that (laughs) so you finished up school and did you go back to school and be their counselor or what did you end up doing yeah Yeah, it was it was an interesting time of um yeah a lot of times in my life I've had to reflect and go okay what doorways are opening up and and trusting that the doorway that I can see might not be the door, the doorway to the place I'm going to completely end up, but go, this is part of my path. So at that point, I remember loving art so much and being so inspired by my art teacher that I thought, oh, I'm going to um, go on the journey of becoming an art teacher. So from high school, I went to university, which back in the day, the University of South Australia was based at Underdale, which since then has been bulldozed in those houses. Um, but I went there, so I studied visual arts for three years and, and did art full-time, which was incredible. And then after that, I studied education. Okay. Well, that's a great place to pause as uh, you've moved into studies and mm. uh, lots more story to come. This is Life Bursts uh, with Sarah and Matt. <laughs>
Hey, did you know this show is available in video too? You can find it at rawcut.com.au. This is Life Burst with Matt and Sarah. We're chatting with Verity. And now, Verity, the question that I like to ask most of our guests, especially if they're married, uh, how did you meet your now husband? (laughs) Well, um, it's a bit of a story. I um, was going to a particular church at that time. Mm -hmm. I think I was uh, about 18 years old, I think. Um, at the same time, 17, 18, around the time I was studying art at uni. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really enjoyed doing at church was I would be up the front helping lead the songs when we'd have our services at night time. And so this particular Sunday was like any other Sunday and I was up the front leading the music. And I noticed this guy sitting in the congregation that I never really noticed before and I thought, oh. He looks a bit nice, and I, was, <laughs> and I, and I was quite intrigued and, and quite fascinated. But I haven't seen him before, mm-hmm. and and so I'm up there singing, doing my thing, and then I sit down, and then this guy that I'd sort of had my eye on a little bit was asked to come up the front, um, and uh, and he ended up being interviewed and. Uh, interviewed about a trip to Vanuatu that he'd done with all these amazing experiences and also about being on this rotary leadership thing. Um, so I had more of a chance to observe him in action mm. as I was sitting down. <laughs> Did he know this, by the way? <laughs> yeah, he does. Okay. <laughs> he does <laughs> but, now. <laughs> but as in most moments, we had no idea. We were sort of checking out the other person from afar. <laughs> Um, seeing out who they were. Sorry, was he checking you out too? That's what I found out. <laughs> and I had no idea at the moment. He actually thought I was married. So I don't know if that was a good thing. I think he was married with kids. So I did wonder if that meant I looked really old at that point. But, <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, thankfully, I don't think it was. I think he was joined about some maturity or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it as that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, we're, we're there. We've watched each other. The service ends and... I just had one of those feelings within and I thought somehow I have to like go and introduce myself. It was like a moment where I thought I need to do this, Ferret, even though you're feeling a bit shy. I just, something drew me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and because, you know, I'm a welcoming person, I thought I should, of course, welcome this stranger into our church community. Good. That's good. That sounds <laughs> so, like good, yeah. So, so I went up and, and shook his hand and, and said, oh, I'm Verity. And, um he said, oh, I'm Mark, and we had a really great chat. And then I thought, how am I going to help this to continue, this connection? And it just came to me in the moment. And I, I said, oh, and, and I asked about this rotary leadership because he was trying to get names down of people that might be interested mm. in doing this leadership training. <laughs> so, I wonder what you did next. <laughs> yeah, surprise, surprise. <laughs> oh, I'm a bit interested in, in uh, this leadership training thing. So, so he took my name and number and it wasn't very long after that he called me up at home um, to inquire about my interest. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I dutifully had quite a chat about it and, and all that, which I then later revealed that it wasn't really my thing. I'm not interested at all. <laughs> but that sort of began, began nice. it. And, um, and then for a number of months, our, our journeys were in different places at that point, but 
you know, we'd just catch up every now and then and go out for coffee and he'd sometimes pick me up from work and and we just developed this friendship and, and chatted um, and got to know each other uh, for that period of time. Mm. It was probably about nine months or something and, um, yeah, and then one day I found out that he was going to move to Melbourne to go and study, to go into ministry. And I, I thought, oh, my goodness, I thought, this sort of puts a crunch, you know, when you're suddenly in your life and you go, this, I'm going to have to make it this, like, Mm -hmm. we've just Mm -hmm. been mates, like friends. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I have no idea how he feels about me, whether he feels about me more than that. Um, Because I was feeling how I was feeling, but I felt that real stirring and wrestle inside going, you need to say something. If you don't say something, he's going to go and he'll never know how you felt. It's just like in a movie. <laughs> Everyone. It's so, go. What do they so do? Is there an airport scene? I remember I remember we had this this moment where um it was like one of the last times we were he was driving me off from having a coffee with him. And I thought, this is it. I felt like I was gonna be sick. Cause I thought I'm going to have to say something. And, like, this could go anyway. Like, he could go, what on earth are you talking about here? Or he could actually go, yeah, I feel like this too. So I remember we just ended up having this. I just said, oh, I just got to gotta have a chat with you. And so we just had this conversation this one night and it was like crunch time where we went, we either, we either going to go, this is it, or we're going to go, let's give this a shot. You know, he was going to Melbourne. I was still in Adelaide. I still had more of my study to go. Um, And so that night um, we then actually committed to this relationship that we were going to do long distance Mm. um, for about three years between Adelaide to Melbourne. Um, Yeah, because I I just felt somehow within me at that point in time, I thought, oh, this is, this feels like it's the journey I'm being called to at this point. to not just be with him, but to support him on this journey that he was going on. Mm. Yeah, so that sort of, and then from that night on, it wasn't long after that, he then went to Melbourne to live in Melbourne and to study, mm-hmm. to become a minister. And we began this whole other journey of three years, long distance, um, which at that point, um, mobile phones were just coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we bought, you know, one of those brick sort of looking yeah. mobile phones at that point. We got like a plan and options. We got lucky enough to get 20 minutes free time each day talking. So we'd like ring each other and then swap over it. And, and also during the period of time where, um, yeah, we'd write letters still. So it wasn't texting, wasn't really a thing then. You know, I don't even know whether texting existed. Um, but By yeah. the sounds of it, no. No, and I don't think it did. No, like it was yeah. either talking on the phone or you could email, or uh, the main thing we did was just write regular letters mm. to each other that mm. we put in the post um, and sent across Melbourne to Adelaide. At some point he wanted to marry you, I'm presuming. Yeah, so, <laughs> so he did. So, <laughs> so he did get to that point, which was probably only about 18 months after we actually became an item. Um, and then I made him wait so I could become a teacher and do all that. Mm. And um, But, yeah, he... Uh, one day I just had a, a day where I was going to uni doing my art, finishing my art things and I had no idea he'd planned this. And I came home. I was still living at home with mum and dad and there he was with a bunch of red roses. And um, 
he'd flown over, totally surprised me um, and took me out for dinner. Um, and then that night, yeah, he proposed. Aww. Fantastic. And, yeah, and then about a year and a half later, that's when we got married. And mm. I then moved over to Melbourne and began a whole other era of life um, living in Melbourne. Right. And what was living in Melbourne like? <laughs> it's a lot busier than Adelaide. So much busier. And <laughs> and for me, that was a really full-on time of my life because, you know, I was married adjusting to being married because our whole relationship had been long distance. Mm. So that was a whole new thing, being with the same person and learning about each other, living with them, mm. and also being away from my family because I'd been right there with my family the whole time. Mm. And the other thing was I was, for the first time in my life, beginning work as a high school art teacher. Um, so it was a really intense time. Yeah, wow. Um, That's a lot of new things at once. It You're was. away from your little safe space, your little yes. community, your loving family, out in this new place with this man who you love, you recently married, and yeah. now you're working as a teacher. So yeah. how did all that go and what helped you get through that time? Yeah, it it was a huge time um, and feeling very homesick mm. and, and trying to find myself. And, yeah, I remember days of being in tears and, um, definitely that faith in God was another constant <laughs> weaving its way in a different way, you know. And, and I remember moments in that period of my life, you know, that people weren't aware of where I'd go for walks and have my glasses on and just be crying and going, God, what is going on here? Mm. What's happening? And just, you know, and you go, why, you know, why are things, again, that suffering thing, really interesting that you brought <laughs> earlier, Sarah, that, oh, okay, why, God, why, why do things have to feel hard sometimes and, and challenging? Um, but, you know, I made some incredible uh, friendships that I would have never imagined um, during that time. And um, one of them was with someone I worked with. So at the high school, I was at this high school that was low socioeconomic, very multicultural. Um, yeah, and I spent about five or six years teaching there. And while I was there, I became really good friends with the man who was in charge of the grounds and, and cleaning and um, looking after the whole school environment. And Keith became a really dear friend and was an amazing musician. Okay. And blues guitarist. Oh, well, that's a good place to pause. Yes. <laughs> we do have a guitar behind us. You mentioned music's a significant part of your story. So when we come back, we'll hear about Verity's uh, involvement and love for music. This is Life Burst with Matt and Sarah. In Australia, juvenile arthritis affects one in 1,000 children. It's a silent yet common condition. Kids Arthritis is here to help support these children and their families. To help them, go to kidsarthritis.org. This has been a Raw Cut community service announcement. This is Life Burst with Matt and Sarah. We are chatting to Verity. And now, Verity, you began your story talking about your family and a love mm. for music, but you also mentioned that during those years of being bullied in primary school, you you stopped singing. Mm. Uh, but music returned to your yes. life. The joy came back <laughs> and, uh, and music's been a big part of your story. So uh, tell us about the musical journey for you. It's been amazing. So um, 
As I was mentioning earlier, I became really good friends with this friend Keith uh, mm. as I was a high school teacher. Uh, so we made a thing. I wasn't playing guitar at that point. Um, so we made a thing that regularly after school, he'd meet me in the classroom and he'd actually help teach me some basics on guitar. And and uh, it was great because we ended up getting together outside of school, writing songs. He would play, I would write music and we'd perform together. So, so that sort of got me going on the journey. Mm. And it was also during that time in Melbourne that we, uh, Mark and I became really good friends with a group of asylum seekers from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Mm. And these guys were actually incredible musicians. And we began this beautiful friendship with them where they would call me their sister and I would call them my brother. And they, they were having a really hard time finding residency in Australia and they'd been separated from their families. And we'd often get together with them and they'd cook the most amazing African meals and we'd share food together and we'd share music. Mm. So, um, you know, we'd gather in their lounge room with all these incredible instruments and the congas and, and sing and I wrote a song with them and I'd perform sometimes at their concerts and I'd have to learn African dance uh, to do that. But one of them uh, was separated from his son when he had to escape uh, the Congo mm. and uh, it had gotten to a point in our friendship where he'd um, I think been separated for about 10 years wow. and then we left his son, his son was seven and one of the things Mark and I did during that same era is we went on a, a holiday over to Europe and France was one of the places and we'd found out that his son had ended up being in safety, staying with some extended family in Paris. Wow this place in Paris. And so um, we'd said to Etienne, we said, oh, we'll try and find your son. And we weren't sure how this was going to go. Mm. So we arrived at Paris and we um, had a bit of an idea where he was. And I'd actually studied French in high school. That was one of the things I forgot to say with the idea of one day using it in France. But I had no idea I would need to use it in this way. Yeah, wow. Mm. So we're wandering these streets in Paris and I'm asking in French if they've seen, if they, anyone knows Everest in this neighbourhood. And I thought, my goodness, how are we going to find this boy? Mm. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was walking, going, we've talked to all these, knocked on all these doors, and I prayed. I just went, oh, God, please, please take us to Everest, because I thought there's nothing else I can do. We've brought ourselves to this place. God, you're just going to have to help us out here and do something, intervene. And... Um, and then just literally a few moments later, this other guy walks past and I said the same in French, does he know this person? We're trying to find him. And he says, oh, Everest, I know where he is. And he took us up. We just followed him into the lift that you had a special security for, so we couldn't have done it by ourselves. Took us up, knocked on this door, and who should be standing Wow, was this boy, Gee. Everest. And it was, it was incredible. And his dad, of course, hadn't been able to hold him or be with him for over 10 years mm. and hadn't had a way of contacting him and given us a gift that we could give to Everest. So in the limited high school French that I knew, I had a moment where I could actually be with him and tell him in my fumbled French how much his dad loved him mm. and missed him. Um, 
it was it was an incredible yeah a really incredible very moving moment and and to mm. be able to put her arms around him you know and be those arms and that his dad couldn't mm. and to tell his dad we've actually been with your son and after that I was really inspired to write a song which amazingly works into this CD I hadn't even planned for this yeah. <laughs> but we didn't talk about this beforehand. <laughs> it's great it's lovely so so it's amazing I then um wrote this song called Be My Eyes, um, which I actually later recorded, but I wrote the song in honour of Etienne and Everest mm-hmm. and the longing of a father to be with his son and a love song really that the father sings to his son. And mm. and I, when I came time to record this album, I asked Etienne to come over to Adelaide and he came with me into the recording studio and he sings this song with me that's on here and um, and even speaks a message to Everest in his local language, which is part of this um, CD. So it's amazing that his experiences in life ended up being transformed into songs as well Yeah, mm. to share stories and messages. It's a beautiful story, yeah. So tell us about you uh, coming to to write an album and to record an album. Yeah. Uh, so that was one piece of the puzzle, uh, but you yeah. you've got to have more than that to yeah. uh, to bring something to the world. It was a, it was amazing. I a lot more of our experiences in Melbourne exposed us to communities. One of them being Urban Neighbours of Hope, uh, that um, were a group that would live with people who were um, in urban poverty. And, and suffering and really opened my eyes to suffering in a different way and people experiencing vulnerability and fragility in a different way. And and I felt a real heart within me rising um, to try and offer some form of voice to those whose voices had been silenced. And during that period I began to get inspired with all these music and words that came to me. And, and I felt in my heart this vision to be able to put out this album, mm-hmm. um, to raise money for these different organisations and also to share the stories of those that don't always get their stories shared. Uh, so I thought, I, yeah, I'm trying to think where to go. Yeah, so I actually thought, well, how am I going to record this? Like I really felt like I needed to honour these stories with a really good sounding quality of mm. a recording. Mm. So I looked up these music studios across Adelaide and I came across one... Um, I've had a mental blank on. Um, That's okay. I was in Adelaide. Anyway, really good studio in Adelaide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that had had other bands do amazing recordings, and I thought this is really putting it out there. But I'm going to just send an email and share my vision, and see what happens. So I just shared my vision and said, "Look, I can't afford a lot, you know, but this is my vision. I really want to get these songs out there." And I heard back from one of the producers, Brett Taylor, who's still recording now, and um, and he took on board my vision, which was amazing. And together we actually worked to produce this album. All right, tell yeah. us about this album. So. so it's called Advocate. And so what it means for us to be an advocate um, for those, when, when we have a voice, what does it mean to be an advocate for those whose voices have been silenced? And and so that particular album is focused on um, songs to do with suffering, poverty, social justice. Yeah. 
So you're under the, your uh, stage name, Verity Sky. Yes, Verity Sky. Sky, which is my middle name. So uh-huh. whenever I paint or write music, I use the name Verity, Verity Sky. Sky. Songs that will not be silenced. I yes. love that. <laughs> so this was put out in 2010 yeah. as an album and yeah. uh, in support also of a number of, of mm. partners uh, as well. To That's right. Yeah, fantastic. So well, well done for getting Thank it out you. there to the world <laughs> and people can still find this and have a listen. Yeah. <laughs> yep, uh, on uh, streaming services. Yeah, so what? that's on there with another album I did. So, um, yeah, they're both on there, both telling different stories. Yeah, well, and tell us how you came to the second album yeah. then uh, while we are on music. So I actually wrote some of these songs were written all around the same time, so okay. they start over 20 years ago. Just overflowing. Yeah, and I had mm. too many songs to put on one album. Yes. So, <laughs> Sounds like one. it, yeah. Yeah, so this one's called Broken Angel. Um, yeah, interesting. It's, it, again, communicates with a bit of a theme I feel we sort of unexpectedly had unfolding. Yes. Um, and that one has songs specifically, I guess, from my life and from stories um, of my own grief, suffering, relationships, uh, and also hope. Um, that hopefully people, when they listen to that, can go, oh, wow, you actually put into words some of my own, mm-hmm. you know, struggles and give me a way to try and work through some of my own stories. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, your listeners, viewers will need to, to uh, take a listen and <laughs> hear some of those uh, stories put to, to music. Uh, Verity Sky, you can find them. We've got more of Verity's story, though, coming up very soon. This is Life Bursts. Raw Cut is also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter with the handle RawCutAU. Welcome back to Life Bass with Matt and Sarah. Today we are chatting with Verity. We've just got our last 10 minutes of the show to go. Mm. Uh, you have a family now, I'm guessing? Yes. <laughs> yes, there'll be a picture of them come up on the screen. <laughs> a beautiful family. Tell us about them. Yeah, so you can see my, my husband, who you heard the story about a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got Daniel, my oldest, who's now 11. Ayla, our, our middle one, who is 10. I can't believe how old they get so fast. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then Amber, the youngest, who now has glasses, she wears most of the time, um, she's seven years old. Mm. So it's pretty full time at the moment. Yeah, yeah. that does yeah. change things, changes life a fair bit. But you've still found time for some creativity. Yeah, which is amazing. Mix. So um, art is still a really significant part of my life and and so for a couple of years, just recently, I worked as the creative arts minister in the Adelaide Hills in Allgate and I was able to run an art studio. So, and that was about uh, basically a free welcoming space to create for anyone in the community to come to. Um, and it was amazing. We sort of de- delved into some really deep issues of life that we explore creatively. Mm. Brilliant. We've got a few photos uh, for those viewers yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of yes. that in action. Really a great outlet um, mm, and, uh, yeah, brilliantly done. So. Thank you. And so that's been a big part of your yeah. your own outlet but also teaching others Yeah, um, and music as well. Yeah, music's been a – isn't it amazing, like, to, to be music, something that I did when I was really little? Mm. And it's it's been like this this weaving thread that's continued and just – metamorphosized into um, different ways of being to my life. So now um, it's coming a different way. A while back I was asked to sing at a party, like asked to perform at a private gig. Mm -hmm. 
some of my own things. Uh, but this person that booked me said, oh, I've also booked this band, this rock band, just wondering whether you'd be up for getting together with them and singing a couple of joint songs. Mm. So I thought, oh, oh, yeah, I'd be open to this. So, <laughs> so anyway, I had no idea of who this band was. I'd never heard of them before. I got a, I had a bit of an email thing going and, and uh, the leader, Bob, said, oh, um, would you like to, to come to practice and uh, run through some things with us? So one night I rock up about half an hour from home and I knew that they practiced in the shed, knew they were all guys, and I thought, oh, my goodness, God. So I need to say a prayer in the car. God, please be with me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm walking into here, <laughs> like this solitary female into this band I have no idea who these rockers are that I'm about to to meet <laughs> didn't think of that until you just said that <laughs> okay. this is a very safe move <laughs> if you don't hear from me please <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was having and I, and I took a deep breath I thought okay Verisha you can do this like complete strangers um so I walk into this shed and and was greeted by these beautiful smiles absolutely lovely a group of guys who have become really precious friends now. And um, and it was the beginning of a, a wonderful journey. We all connected. They came from, a number of them came from different teaching backgrounds, happened to be Christian, um, which was very um, amazing. It's better. So we connected in quite a, a unique way. Mm. Um, but they all have a real heart for music and, uh, and rock music. Mm. So um, from there I began to do a few gigs and uh, be invited to to go along with them until I was invited to be part of the band. So you're in, yeah. So now I'm the female lead, yeah. And I have a male lead counterpart, and and we rock it out. So I I become the rock chick and <laughs> <laughs> let my hair down, head banging. Um, I sing a, a range of you know like Blondie. If you come across um, Blondie one way mm. or another, uh, Divinals. Um, some some real sort of classic rock songs mm. that are like nice. um, okay yeah, heartbreak hotel and a bit of Motown so I do lots you of saw Verity you wouldn't think that she's like a rock chip but... <laughs> so it's wonderful so I get to <laughs> transform so for the kids they see mum you know go oh bye and there I am heading out in my costume no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I, I get to do dress ups like I get to go and do dress ups and and. Turn up the music um, to the point that one of our kids isn't a big fan of watching our gigs because he says, you know, of course you go, that's it, Daniel, because it's the only boy, but he says it's too noisy. So, too noisy. <laughs> so oh my goodness, what a love you have in It's too hard for your own oh. son. Um, so, yeah, so I love it. Um, so, we've actually we've got one gig coming up uh, this Saturday, um, but we also yeah, regularly um, get, but we're called Sticks and Specs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've we've got a link okay. that we might be able to connect you to. So people book us for parties and functions um, and public things. Okay. Um, yeah. And you rock out real hard. We really do. Yeah. We can do ballet stuff. So we don't totally <laughs> like. And, and the amazing amount of people that love ABBA. I don't think that, I don't think Ebra Abba was done by the guys until I joined. Um, and, <laughs> and but it's funny because as much as we're a rock band. Every now and then at a party, we'll whip out an ABBA song and people love it and, and they'll get into singing it. Mm. So, it's, so it's great. So, yeah, so that's, that's a huge part. Sticks and Specs is a huge part of my life. Um, and then just around COVID, yeah, you see COVID itself, it's a whole other story we might have to say for another time. Mm. 
um, but the effects on music and gigs and mm. and it was around that time of, of COVID that I actually um, had contact uh, from another incredible musician that had come across me doing something on YouTube and uh, he said, oh, are you interested in, in getting together and doing a duo in music? So, so that person is Will Metzer. Um, incredible musician and singer who does lots of jazz, big band, Michael Bublé type things. Mm-hmm. And so together we've been doing music as well. Um, so I embody then the, the long dress sequin um, singer singing things like that, Vion Rose and Dream a Little Dream. Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, in that setting. And uh, there's some photos um, of me with him. Um, where we also did duo things at restaurants or the ones I've got here is there's an amazing thing on Flinders Street, mm-hmm. uh, music on Flinders outside the front of Pilgrim Church there mm-hmm. in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, on a Monday they invite musicians to come and share and anyone in the public can listen. Oh, yeah. wow. So that's a photo of something I've done with him there. Fantastic. Wow. wow. Well, yeah, very, uh, you know, full circle. <laughs> so <music>. much. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a bit to condense, isn't it? Well, <laughs> you've done well getting through. Uh, and uh, yeah, you look, people can uh, always go and hear some of that music and uh, maybe book a party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. yeah, we will rock your party. So. And uh, look, uh, we uh, there, there is one opportunity that uh, those in Adelaide can come and uh, take advantage of soon as well before we get to that though if you looking back at your life had one piece of advice that you might offer those of us uh, watching or listening today what would that be um i think from everything i've shared today just remember i would say remember that we each have our own unique song which has been placed in our heart and and i believe we've each been created with that unique song and with that, to feel encouraged to share your song, to know that there's a place to share your voice and your song in this world. And as you share your song, remember what it is to also offer safe, welcoming, non-judgmental spaces to allow others to truly sing their song and for their voices not to be silenced. Beautiful. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. That's very good, Verity. Thank you for coming in on Thank today's show. Thank you so show. much for having me. Thank okay. you. <laughs> uh, the gig that Verity is talking about is happening on December the 16th. 18th. 18th. Saturday night. I knew I got that wrong. <laughs> Look, the post is on the screen. It's fine. December 18th. Uh, and it is at the Blackwood Community Hall. So you can jump online. Uh, the links are in the description of today's video or podcast if that's how you're listening to us. Well, this has been another episode of Life Burst. You can catch up with us wherever you get your podcasts from, community TV, radio, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. Thanks for coming with us on the journey. Life Bursts is hosted by Matthew Karat and Sarah Freeman with production by Reese Jarrett and Kay Hoshraw-Ozadigan. For more episodes of Life Bursts, go to rawcut.com.au. This is a Rawcut production.